I just want to share, I, I have been impacted greatly over uh, the past, um, I think between Wednesday and today, uh, Katanya and I had a chance to sneak out to a, um, a brief leadership conference that uh, Wes and team invited me to that um, I'm going to say it um, had tremendous impact on me uh, such that it, it caused me to change everything that I had prepared to share with you this morning and the next couple of weeks. And I just kind of want to shift gears a little bit and just kind of, if I can use the term, uh, regurgitate the things that's been in my spirit uh, as Katani and I were there and just listening and hearing what God was saying. To me, it was just a great refresher and a reminder of why we do what we do and what it is God has called us to do as a ministry. Because sometimes along the journey, it's easy to forget why you do what you do. Can we get an amen? Anybody believe that? And so I thank God for that because the conference was just, it was really, really life-changing. Life and I heard a word while I was there. I really heard a word, uh, I believe, from the Lord. And I want to flesh that out a little bit with you so we can kind of uh, talk through it and hear what God is saying. Because sometimes in ministry, you feel crazy as if you're crazy. <laughs> you feel as if you're out there by yourself. You feel, you know, what in the world are we doing? What in the world are we, you know, stepping out on a limb on? But I thank God from time to time that God will remind you that, yes, you did indeed hear from me. And I thank God for that. Anybody ever need a word from God like that from time to time in your life? Yeah, just a reminder that you're doing what it is you're doing. One of the things that I'm learning more about God um, is that God has a way that before he does what he's going to do, he always releases a word and challenges us to partner with him or to work with him in what he is doing. Um, one of the things that I uh, know about God is that uh, more times than often, God, God prophetically warns the church or he equips the church or prepares the church for what he is about to do and it is up to us to listen to the prophetic word or the voice of God in the moment so that we can be prepared for what God wants done. I will never forget when um, at my previous ministry, in the midst of that, the Lord released the word and says, I need you to leave and to go plant Restoration Christian Fellowship. And, and, and me fighting the voice of God, a lot of times you don't know why God wants to do what he wants to do. But I obeyed him, and in obeying God, when I look back over my life, I can see why God did what God did. Are you, are you guys hearing me? When we were at, over at Norfolk, the same thing, in the midst of things going okay, God says, pack your bag and leave, and I'm going to show you someplace we trust God. And then he provided. God provided all the way. God just has a way of doing what God said he is going to do. Um, it, it's no different than where we are right now. We, we embarked here. And uh, the Lord said, I need you here because I have this vision that I want you to do. And the thing that I want us to understand, we're working towards the vision. But what we cannot do is wait for the vision to be realized to prepare for what God is going to do. Does that make sense? You've got to be prepared and positioned for the blessing so the blessing could come. A lot of us are praying, God bless me, God provide for me. But we're doing nothing to prepare ourselves for what God is going to do or God will do, and we wonder why we can't receive from God. Um, so very, very important. If you notice with Abraham, God, God called Abraham and God said to him, leave 
the place that you are and go to a place that I'm going to show you. And Abraham had to walk out in place, in faith, not even knowing where God was going to take him. Does that make sense? The same thing when he said to him to go rescue Lot, he released him and say, go do this thing. And God went and God had what he wanted done. If you think about Moses, let me give you an example of Moses. Moses was born, um, but Moses was born prior to the Israelites being or needing deliverance. But the purpose of his birth, birth was to use him to deliver the Israelites when the time was right. So the point I want you to extract from that is preparation is necessary for what God wants to do. And we must prepare ourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, we must prepare ourselves. Come on, tell the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. You must prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah, we, we must get ready. We must get ready. Um, God, God gives warning for what he wants done. And then, and then in the preparation, he, when we prepare ourselves, he allows the thing to happen or to be realized. This is the situation that I have discovered with the text that I'm confronted with today. Um, while, while at the conference, I just heard this word, build an ark or build the ark and prepare to build the ark. And, and, and when you process that, it, it just really welled up in Katanya and I's spirit. And as we really were praying about that, God just kind of affirmed and confirmed what he wanted done. This is where Noah in our text for today found himself. God was about to do something. Uh, Noah, if I could use the term, had never seen what God was going to do, if I can take a risk and say that. And then we're going to flesh it out in a little while. But in his obedience to God, and for those of us that know the story, God proved himself faithful. Does this make sense to you all? I want you to see this with me. And then we're going to walk this out in the text. So go with me to the book of Genesis, the passage that was read. And I want to just show you some things in the text and just share just um, from a high-level perspective what I'm sensing and what I'm feeling that God is saying. Go to Genesis chapter 6, and then let's read through that together so we can hear what God is saying. And then we're going to talk through to hear from God. If you're in verse 1, say amen. Verse 1 says, when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as their wives as they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, his day, day shall be 120 years. Verse 4 says, the Nephilim were on the face, were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they had bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old and men of renown. Now look at verse 5. The Lord saw, verse 5 says, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts, of the thoughts of his hearts, was only evil continually. Jump down to verse 11. Verse 11 kind of repeats the same thing, but in a different way. It says, now the earth was corrupt in whose sight? In God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. And who saw? God saw the earth. And behold, look at the repetition, is corrupt. And look at this, for all flesh had corrupted their way in the earth. Now, I want just to share four brief things with you, and there's a couple of sub-points that I want us to walk through. 
And that I think if we're going to talk about what God wants done, it's very, very important that we understand, number one, that humankind or mankind is responsible for the corruption we experience in the earth today by way of being God's creation. Okay? Now, I need you to hear me say this because my heart is really burdened with this. Um, the chaos, the confusion, let me just use the word sin. The sin that we exist or see in the earth realm today, we need to know that regardless of our position and opinion about sin, in the sight of God, it's not all right. Does anybody believe that this morning? Come on, church, let's not lose sight of that. Because here's what's happening in popular culture. The culture is shifting, and my concern is that the church missed the true purpose of the church and make the necessary shifts with culture, and then we lose our true purpose for being in the earth realm. At the time of the text, God did not create men to do the things that they were doing, to find themselves in the evil predicament and situations they found themselves in. So the text specifically says that God was upset, and the reason for his anger, the reason for his distaste, the reason for him feeling the way he felt is because of what man did in corrupting the world. Are you guys hearing me this morning? And I need y'all to hear that because when we look around, we see corruption in our neighborhoods. We see corruption in our places of employment. We see corruption in government. We see corruption all over the place. We've gotten to the place, and I'll be addressing this a little while in the text, and I'm trying to navigate this carefully so as not to offend anyone, but the church must get to the place where we call sin, sin. Are you with me? It's not all right for some of the things that we see going on in the earth realm. And because it's becoming the popular thing, we are feeling it's okay. But the concern of mine is that we're allowing it into the church and we're losing the effect or the impact that we should have on the world. We should be like God. And if it's distasteful in the mouth and to the eyes of God, it ought to be distasteful to us. Now, I'm not saying hate the sinner I am saying hate the sin. Does this make sense? The sin should never make us feel comfortable, but we should always love the sinner. Are you with me? We have an obligation to do that. So it's important that we understand, number one, that humankind is responsible for the corruption. There's, there's some stuff going on that, that God is not pleased with, and, and we must address that. Look at, look at the second thing I want to talk to, and I want you all to hear me say this. Because of the corruption in God's creation, he's grieved. He's grieved. And God still, I'm going to add the word still to this point, has plans to destroy this earth with fire because it is not going the way he intended for it to go. And we forget this. We forget this. We forget this. Because here's what it looks like. As the Lord continues to delay his return in coming back for the church, we are gradually fooling ourselves into forgetting this important truth that one day all of this will come to an end. We're forgetting, we're forgetting the truth that we are called, uh, we're supposed to be a called out people, we're called to be different in the earth realm, and that a day of judgment is coming. Man, we don't hear this anymore because it's not a popular thing to say. But the day is coming when God 
is going to destroy the earth with fire. So here's how I say, man, we better get ready. Come on, come on, we better get ready. Look at the text, look at the text. Let's read this. Look with me at verses 6 and 7, and we're going to walk through this. It says here, and the Lord regretted that he had made man. This is literally in Noah's day that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the ground, of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made man. Jump down to verse 13. Verse 13 said, and God said to Noah, well, before I even read verse 13, look at verse 8 real quick. But Noah found favor or grace in whose eyes? Ah, ah. And because of that, listen to what he says. And the Lord said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all the flesh of the earth, for the, uh, of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence um, through them. Behold, and listen to what he said, I will destroy them with what? The earth. Look at verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life in the earth. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Now, we don't have time to go to all the cross-reference scriptures that speaks about as it was in Matthew 24 in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. But a time is coming. When God is going to say enough is enough and he's going to return to take his church from this sinful earth and there will be a destruction that's coming. Are you hearing me this morning? That time is coming where it says that he has plans, he has plans, he has plans. And the reason he has these plans is because of the corruption that exists within the earth realm. So hear me say this as lovingly as I can. It's not okay for us to live in deliberate or intentional disobedience from God and fool ourselves into thinking that we're getting away with it. Oh, I need two witnesses here. Are you with me? It's, it's, it's just not okay to do that and to fool ourselves into thinking that we're going to get away with it. By way of the passage, the earth had gotten to the place and God found one righteous person, Noah. He found grace in the eyes of Noah. So he consults with Noah and says to him, I'm going to destroy the earth because my heart is grieved. I, I, I mean, I'm sickened to the fact of the way this thing has progressed and the way it's going. And I must do something different about it. Now, look at this. Let me kind of talk about this. And we'll be here for a little while. Verse 3, the, the next point says this. Because of God's plan for destroying the earth with fire... He also has plans to establish a new covenant in the earth. And listen to this. And he's asking the church to build an ark to rescue people from his judgment. Y'all just say, work with God. Now, say, say that like you mean it. Say, work with God. I need everybody in here to say that like you mean it. Come on, say, work with God. Let, let me read this and then we're going to flesh it out. Look with me at verse 8. Let me look at verse 8. It says here, Noah found grace, verse 8. In the eyes of the Lord, look at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Jump down to verse 14, and notice what it says in verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it, it says, with pitch 
um, inside and out with pitch. Jump down to verse 18. It says, but I will establish my new covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wives, and your sons' wives with you. Let me, let me see if I can do justice to this. God is not only a God that will bring destruction on the earth realm, but he is also a loving God. Scripture says, long-suffering, not willing that any should come to repentance, I mean any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So here's the heart of God. His heart is not that anyone go through hell fire. His heart is that everyone be offered an opportunity to escape hell fire. So here's what he's doing. Here's what he's doing. Here's what he's doing. Just like in Noah's days, he's calling me and he's calling you. He's calling the church. He's calling the churches of the world, capital C. He's calling all of us together to work with him to build an ark to rescue people from the judgment that's coming. Now, we forget that. And we think church is about church. I came to get a good word and I go home. And I do me. I got mine, you get yours. And we forget why it is that God saved us. Are you hearing me this morning? We forget the reasons for our salvation, and the result is we stop working with God, and all we focus on is ourselves, our little corner, our little neck of the wood, and we don't work with God in what he is doing. So God is calling the church to build an ark to rescue people from their judgment. Now, there's a couple of sub points I need to walk through here, and we might pick this up in the upcoming weeks. Here's the problem. The problem with building the ark, as simple as it may seem, is that there, 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 there's a lot of problems associated with that. And this is where I got my reminder and I was pressed on to be who God would have, us, have me to be. Now notice this. Building the ark seems ridiculous and risky as the reason you're building it is to prepare, prepare for something you yourself have never experienced. Let me, let, me, let me talk to this with you. Text. Go to Genesis chapter 2. I have a philosophy of, of, of ministry here that I want to kind of talk through real quick. And, and y'all grace me in this. Um, if you differ on this point that I'm about to make, that's, that's okay. We can talk about it on Wednesday night. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. You guys are there? When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, it says, for the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and watering the whole face of the ground. Now, I'm going to challenge you when you go home to read the remainder of chapter 2 to find out what God's irrigation process was for the earth. But when I read that passage and I read that verse, and I, I notice.
instruction to build this ark to rescue from a flood that's about to come, I personally, uh, my, my exegesis of the text presses me to this place where it causes me to believe that Noah was talking about something that nobody on the earth had ever experienced. My position, okay? Hey, guys, God is sick of your sin. God is tired of what you're, going, what you're doing in the earth realm. So here's what's going to happen. He's going to send rain. He's going to send a flood. And he's going to destroy the earth because of the sin in the earth. Now, here's Noah. What is he talking about? He is just on dry land building this big boat and talking about it's going to rain. What? Has Noah lost his mind? Is Noah crazy? What's rain in the first place? And he looked stupid because all he had to go on was the fact that he had heard from God and he had to step out on faith with no one on the face of the earth hearing what he heard, experienced in the encounter he had with God, yet he had to trust God. I want to lay out to you that that's the problem because as leaders, as ministry, as ministry individuals, as a church, we are called to step out on faith, to do some things, to reach some people that they will have no idea what you're talking about. And that's hard because we risk looking stupid doing it. Illustration. We're having church at Norfolk, 551 Norfolk, a place that sits, sits about 500 people. The Lord says, get up and leave. Go to a place that I'm going to show you. Using biblical language. We trust God. We step out on faith, not knowing where we're going to go. I want you all to hear me say. Now, I am guaranteeing you that you had folk in the congregation talking, spreading rumors, saying, man, the preacher done lost it. He's crazy. Church is going well, so on and so forth. But God had a plan. God had a vision. And because the people, listen to how I'm going to say that, had not seen where we're going because they hadn't experienced it yet, it looked risky and it looked crazy. And here's the other thing. As a leader, as a pastor, as, as people in ministry, sometimes God will call you and he will call me and he will call us to step out on faith to do something that we have never seen, and it's not about the here and now. It's about what God is getting ready to do, and it calls for another level of faith to trust God like that. I want you all to hear me. Let me be honest with you. I am probably the most scared person that's saying, hey, let's plant another service, right? And you're looking and say, why do we need to do that for? You know, there's plenty of room for seats. And I'm saying God is saying something. I'm telling you, when I went to that conference and God says, build the ark. Man, building the ark is not about what's happening now. Building the ark is what's about what's going to happen tomorrow. And you've got to understand that you can't wait till tomorrow to work with God. You've got to do what God says right now. And a lot of us miss the move of God because we're waiting for evidence for us to move out. Last I checked, faith is still the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you can see it, it does not require faith. Faith is saying, I don't know what rain feels like. I don't know what rain looks like. 
I don't know what happens when rain hits the ground, but if God said it's going to rain and he says, build an ark, by golly, I need to help build in the ark because rain is coming. I want you all to hear me this morning. Man, I think well up in my spirit because sometimes you get nervous, Lord, what are you calling me to do? God, what are you asking me to do? The data don't show it. This doesn't look like this. And imagine, Noah, imagine, God, why, 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 why are you going to send rain? I mean, you've got this great eco or irrigation system with all these rivers that are running through these varying places and everything looks green. What's this rain stuff? But because of faith, he had to stand in the midst of the crowd and say, I'm building this to rescue you because it's going to rain. And nobody had ever seen rain. Third so neighbor said, neighbor, we need to learn to trust God like that. <laughs> look, look, look at this one real quick. Listen. <laughs> Getting help. Did I, did I change that? No, I didn't. Did I? Yeah. It's going to be difficult because to get people to build a heart, especially from people who have never experience rain themselves. This is the problem with ministry. My phrase, spectatorship. Let's wait to see what's going to happen before we jump in. Because right now, it looks crazy. Here's Noah. Help me build the ark. Watch, watch the crowd. He's lost his mind. He needs to go to counseling. Man, he building this humongous thing. He must be a fool talking about rain. And it was difficult to engage people and to motivate people because they had never seen the thing, which is equivalent to the truth, that they, had, they didn't know God like that, to have faith in God like that, to move on a word from God. The world was corrupt. They were all messed up. So notice who he got. He got his family, he got those that were close, involved, and engaged in making them happen. So, so, so understand this with me. It's going to be difficult to mobilize people, so it calls for a level of faith to trust God, to believe God, to hear God, to pray to God, to know that God is speaking clearly. Look at this, look at this point. Here's the thing. This, 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 one, this, one, this, one, this one really drives me insane, but it's true. Dealing with, the problem with building the ark is dealing with people who believe they are the voice of God to instruct you on how to build the ark, even though they have never experienced rain themselves. Y'all don't know what that means, so let me tell you what that means. As a leader, as a pastor, everybody has an opinion on what God said. Really. Not that you shouldn't get counsel. Not that leaders should not hear from God. Not that leaders should not engage the whole. The leaders should definitely do that. But the problem we have in ministry, people feeling they are the voice of God to instruct the leader on how to do what needs to be done. Are you guys hearing me? When I look at the text, last I checked, God did not call Mrs. Moses and say to him, I need you to go tell your husband to build an ark. Last I checked, God didn't call Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and say to them, I need you to go tell your daddy 
to build an ark. Last I checked, last I checked. God didn't call the wives of the sons, but God spoke directly to Noah himself. Uh, I, I want y'all to hear me say that. I want, I want, this is very, very important. Not, uh, please, and please don't misinterpret me saying that, that, that it's not important to get counsel. It is important to get counsel. It is important. But, but, but where division steps in in ministry is where people start fooling themselves into thinking they are the voice of God to the house. And if you don't listen to, the vo to them, you've missed God. <laughs> Most frustrating thing. It's amazing how a word can bring stir stuff in your spirit. God spoke directly to Noah. And, and this is why I have this philosophy of ministry of just having a council, having board, having people around you to verify for you that you've heard from God. You're not about this, this whole, I'm the king, I'm the void. No, 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 don't, don't fool yourself into thinking any one individual. If, if you go to scripture, here's how it looks. God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh to tell him let my people go. But then God also says to, Pharaoh, to Moses, go to the elders and they will verify that I have indeed spoken to you. Giftings in the house are for affirmation that God has spoke. Does this make sense, guys? I want you, I mean, I want us to wrestle that really, really quick because that can be very, very frustration and building the heart, and it becomes difficult to do the thing because then ministries become divided, people start going separate ways, people start leaving for all kinds of reasons because they feel they're the voice of the house because he won't submit to the order of what God is saying that he wants done within the house. Anybody in here still knows that God is a God of order? Come on, if you know that, say amen, that he is a God of order. He is a God of order. And God will not violate his own order for our personal desires. I wish somebody would say amen to that. Yeah, you got to get that. Here's the thing. This, this strikes me. The reason the church needs to build an ark, and, and I'm going to press to this, is because rain is coming. Now, 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 when you look at the text, when you look at the text, it begins by saying in, in um, chapter, chapter 5, chapter 6, I'm sorry, that all the corruption that had happened on the face of the earth, um, it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, um, the sons of God were marrying daughters of men, and thing had become corrupted. And here's the heart of God. God's heart was not so much to destroy them, listen to me carefully, without offering them an opportunity to get it right. Oh, you got to hear that. You've got to hear that. You've got to hear that. Because the ark, the, the reason you're building the thing, it says, is, is because the church needs to build it because rain is coming. And, and let, let me correct this. Rain, don't, don't view rain in the sense of the good sense that it's coming to nurture the ground and fertilize the ground. No, this is a destructive rain. And we read, read in Revelation, in the end time, God is going to destroy the church. Now, here's what I want, I mean, destroy the world. But here's what I want you to hear me say. He wants us to work with him in rescuing the perishing. So my job, your job, is to go to Aurora, everybody we see, and say to them, it's getting ready to rain. And my purpose in your life is to let you know that God loves you and God does not want you to suffer the consequence of the rain that's coming. So I am here because God loves you and I love you and I want to help you get it right, so just come in the ark. We've forgotten that. And what we do is we give in to culture, 
we give in to the things that we see and we say it's okay, it's just them, and we don't say anything to them. I was in Starbucks this morning, uh, my tradition, sitting there reading my Bible, and a young man, I think it was a group of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I saw them, and my first thing with the Bible open was, oh, Lord, now I got to get ready for church, you know. <laughs> but one, <laughs> one young man came to me, and he said, hey, man, I see you reading your Bible, that's a good thing, and uh, so on and so forth, he starts to talk, and then he says, do you have a word for me? And I just simply said, man, God loves you, and if you haven't made it right with God, get it right. Okay, but let me go here, let me go here, let me go here. That young man was bold enough, regardless of his conviction, to approach me. What's the problem with Christianity these days? Can we talk, guys? Let's just be honest. We have forgotten that it's getting ready to rain. And in the waiting, we're building an ark. So we think it's about coming and having good worship, singing good songs, singing all these good stuff, and we miss and we forgot the purpose of it all. Let me, let me press through so I can get to this real quick. Motivation for building the ark comes from the fact that people need to be rescued, I said this before, from the impending rain, okay? I, I need to make sure in my family that nobody in my household is dying to go in and going to hell. You have the same obligation. In my workplace, in, in my place of, 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 of where I play, my recreation, wherever I find myself, I have an obligation to prepare people for the fact that rain is coming. Does this make sense, guys? Come on, say we've got to get ready, okay? Now, here's the thing that I want you all to understand real quick, and then I, I, I'm not going to make it to the end. The vehicle, the, the ark serves as the vehicle to escape the flood, and listen to this, and God invites people into the security of the ark. I want you all to hear me say, let me flesh this out real quick. I'm the guy that will say with all the people in Aurora, there's probably not enough churches in Aurora. We, we, we ought to be on such a church planting, church growth rampage. Why? Because we want the ark filled. And the ark being filled is not so much about butts in seats, but it's about people being rescued from the flood that's about to come. Are you hearing me? Come on, come on is this making sense? I, 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 need to, I need to flesh this out real quick because my heart is, is in a funny place because sometimes we think it's just about church. We think it's just about our little worship circle. But we don't realize that God has called us to make disciples. He called us to equip people. He called us to, to change lives. And so my job is to make sure that every person in here is a disciple for Christ. And your job is to go make other disciples. And the reason we're doing it is because we want to fill the ark up because the rain is coming. And we miss that. We miss that. Come on, church. We miss that. We miss that. God said to me, the reason you start the second service is because you put another floor in the ark. The reason you're planting a church is because you're putting another floor in the ark. The reason you're sending people out is because you're putting another floor in the ark. And the more floors in the ark, the more people we can hold. I wish I had somebody in here. And we keep missing it. And the church is no longer equipping people to go make disciples. We're saving them and teaching them how to have good church. The rain is coming. I'm wondering who's going to help me build the ark. 
Amen. We started this year, start strong, finish strong. There's, if there's any spot to regain strength, it's being motivated in the fact that it's getting ready to rain. God's going to destroy the earth. And my salvation experience is about me being positioned to be discipled so I can make more disciples so we can fill the ark up. We don't want this to look like Noah's days. Eight humans in the ark with a bunch of animals. <laughs> Here's how scripture says it. The harvest is ripe, but the what? The laborers are few. The problem is not with the harvest. It's with the laborers. Let me make it hit the ground. The people inside the ark that have first-class seating that won't give up their seat for somebody else to come in. And we come in, buckle up, sit down, lay back, sing to me, preach to me, make me feel good. Hallelujah. And we forget what we're really called to do. I'm going to pick this up. But bow your heads with me this morning. I am praying that God would just reinvigorate a fire in this place that will create such disciples for God. We would get to the place where we are so sold out for God that God would be glorified. God would have his way. In fact, stand to your feet with me this morning. Stand to your feet with me this morning. If you're here, let me say this this way. And, and, and you, maybe the front end of the message hit you, spoke to you differently. And you're like, man, I didn't realize the rain is coming. I didn't realize that God was dissatisfied with the earth. I didn't realize that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to Calvary to pave a way, a way for me to have access into the heart of salvation. And man, I want to give my heart to God. If, God. if that's you this morning, we just want to give you an opportunity to come and say, yes, I want to give my heart to God. I want to join the family of God. I want to be turned into a disciple so I can be who God would have me to be. If that's you this morning, we want to give you a chance just to come and pray as our ministry team is here. We just want to give you a chance to come. If God is speaking to you, 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 I want to pray with you. My prayer is that as we talk about starting strong and finish strong, that every person in this church would be a discipler with the goal to say, man, I want to make two, three, four, ten disciples for Christ this year because I need to get people in the ark. Come on, baby. Come on. Amen. 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 Come, come, come. Yeah, come, come. Come, come. Elders, come, 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 come. If there are others, if God is speaking to you, if God is speaking to you, this is a serious moment. This is a serious moment. We don't want to miss that. If God is calling you this morning and saying, it's time to give your heart to him, come. I know, I know we're running close, but it's okay. I need to say this. Get it right with God. 
And additionally, if you're here as a believer and you said, man, I have gotten comfortable in my call and I've missed what God would have me to be. Time to reignite the flame. Pray for me that the fire would be reignited. If that's you, just raise your hand, put them up, put them down, say, preacher, just pray for me. Amen. I see him. Come on, just put them up and put them down. I see those hands all over the place. Come on, put them up and say, just pray for me that I would be bold for the cause of Christ. I want to do that. I see him. Amen. 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 Put those hands up. Mine is up. Mine is up. Mine is up. Because I want to be bold for Christ. I want to be about recruiting to get folk in the ark. I want to do whatever it takes to bring people to a relationship with God. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Bow your heads with me. Father, you're a wonderful God. You're a gracious God. You're a mighty God. You're an awesome God. And God, as we process this text that's in front of us, Lord, you're inviting people to come into the ark of salvation, and we need people to help us build it. We need people in the vineyard working, Lord, to recruit others into a relationship with you, to spread this gospel. We ought to infiltrate this world with the love of Christ because it's sickening to you when you look at it right now. And the church is the only hope this world has. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. We give ourselves to you. Those of us that are saying, God, we want to be bold for you, reignite a flame, reignite a fire. Press us to be all that you would have us to be, God. It's about you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen.